2: Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. We are so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. My name is Lydia Cruz.
3: And I'm Justin Stiefel.
2: And I'm Maura Dooley. How has everybody's past week been enjoying this great sunshine?
3: Yeah, enjoying the weather and uh, celebrating summer solstice. And with summer (laughs) solstice, that means it's all downhill from here. No,
2: don't say that. The days will start
3: to get shorter. The sun will set earlier, but it'll be warmer. And it's a good excuse to open up your favorite adult beverage.
2: Absolutely. And maybe that beverage should include BSB because you are added another impressive award to your collection recently, Justin.
3: Yeah, it seems like uh, every week there's another one coming out. So last week we won double gold at the SIPs. International Blind Tasting um, happens every year. This year it happened down in California. It is one of the uh, penultimate um, award uh, and judging of spirits in the world. They gather consumers, influencers, judges, of uh, the bartending trade and the production side and they grab all the other and they sample through thousands of products and bsb or brown sugar bourbon won a double gold in the flavored whiskey category and this follows on the heels of bsb winning the best flavored whiskey in the world award in london from whiskey magazine just uh, a month ago
2: there's definitely a lot of accolades now to your name is there one that means you know particularly more than any other one
3: It's the uh, photos that we get from customers who get BSB, and they post them on our Facebook page or Instagram or Pinterest. Um, One I saw this week was uh, a a person had literally dozens of bottles of BSB, empty, cleaned, washed, and he had built it into a uh, chandelier for his... (laughs) man cave That's <laughs> with awesome. full lights and everything Wow uh, just BSB bottles all around in circle multi-tier three tiers. Uh, in the chandelier he built, and that's the best accolade, is because it means people like the product. They share it with their friends, they tell their friends and family about it, and they go out and they buy another bottle.
4: And not only do they enjoy drinking it, they like it enough to turn it into home decor.
3: It's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, it's tapped into the zeitgeist, uh, I think. And what's fascinating is to watch our Pinterest page. We have forty eight thousand Pinterest followers now at Heritage own Company, wow. which is a big number. Eighty percent of the followers on Pinterest are women. That's the demographic, and we continue to see women who want to get into more whiskey and brown spirits gravitating towards BSB, trying it, and then sharing their favorite cocktail idea and photos, and then it just spreads and spreads and spreads with their friends and family.
2: Absolutely. Well, other big headlines in the news this week. What's going on in the industry?
3: Well, our friends at Precept Wines, that's uh, headquartered here in Seattle, Washington. They're a large uh, owner of multiple wine brands that you would be familiar with on the shelves. They are making an aggressive move into the canned wine segment. They see that category growing, especially in the summertime. People don't want to be carrying around glass bottles um, down the beach, so they're finding... Their favorite wine in cans now, Precept's total volume neared 1.5 million cases last year, up 7%, and uh, the dollar growth for canned wine is increasing up 54% compared to last year. The St. Chapelle Spritz lineup features three expressions of wild huckleberry, wild mountain berry, and blood orange. Uh, Those are uh, efforts out of Idaho uh, with a spritz, so it's kind of a lower alcohol, um, frizzy wine, malt beverage, uh, flavored alcohol product. And uh, we're just seeing more and more and more of these companies bringing out interesting packaging that relies less on glass and more on smaller individual serving sizes.
4: I think it's the perfect city to do it in. You know, in Seattle, we love to get out while the sun is here because we know that it goes away eventually. I think everyone likes to maximize that and and to be able to just take it on the go and not have to have glass is very helpful here. A lot of busy well, schedules. This, convenience means a, means a lot.
3: Especially, again, we've talked in the past, when it's 80 degrees out, 90 degrees out, you don't want a really heavy, thick, red Bordeaux wine. It's just not the right no. environment for that kind of wine. You want something light fresh crisp refreshing something you can chill on ice throwing cans in the cooler taking cans on the boat uh, and the ability for you to get different profiles and flavors because you may like a different one than i like differently and we can all share in the same experience but have different products in smaller packaging you don't have to open a whole bottle and then put the cork back in it
2: absolutely the next story up on our headlines today is pretty interesting to all of us here
3: it is uh, the five states that like to drink the most and the study was carried out by a website called Play USA. It looked into the number of times Americans have used the internet to search for places to drink alcohol in their state over the last 30 days. It takes into account a total of 823 million searches on Google, Yahoo and other search engines. So again, this is not about what people are buying, this is simply about what are people searching for. Again, this kind of taps into what is the zeitgeist, what is what's the collection of people out there doing. And search drives it. 823 million searches is a big sample size. So number five state is the state of Minnesota.
4: I I noticed a trend on here, Justin. Uh, I think as we get through these, you'll start to notice that uh, quite a few of these cities are pretty cold weather cities. I was wondering if that had anything to do with it.
3: Probably, it. I don't know what month they did this in. But I think this was done in the month of May. So maybe not. You have people coming out of winter, or they're planning, you know, to go into summer and planning their summer breaks, or probably a lot of searches around Memorial Day weekend and what to do for cocktail ideas. So number five state was Minnesota. Number four was Massachusetts. That follows the trend you you're thinking about in terms of cold weather. Oregon is number three. Number two is Colorado, and number one is New York, which makes sense because yeah. of uh, population. I'm a little surprised we don't see states like Louisiana, uh, Nevada, those types of states where you have a, a high tourist population driven or, driven around the adult beverage society of uh, New Orleans and the casinos and such.
2: Yeah, I wonder if that's because a lot of people within those states aren't searching for it. It's a lot of tourists that are outside of those states. Searching before they go on vacation, or before they go to who knows?
3: Could be, it could be. So uh, we'll see next year uh, if Washington breaks into the but top. Make plot.
2: it on there. That's right. <laughs> That's our final story in the headlines this week.
3: Well, the final story involves making vodka from an unusual source, and mm-hmm. that is uh, the way of cow milk. Uh, it's a brand called Black Cow Vodka. We talked a little bit about this last year, and now they've actually come out with the product. They were they were testing it last year. Now it's available. Researchers at Oregon State University are looking at the flavor profiles of vodkas made with whey, uh, which is a byproduct of the cheese making process, and uh, even though there's energy required to transform the whey into vodka, there's a huge environmental gain, they say, by not disposing of the whey into public waste streams, wastewater and sewer. So they say that the whey ferments and distills very well, very clean, it's a lot of protein, and then they have put it under the label of black cow and it uh, is a UK based creamery that has launched this product and uh, they secured a number of partnerships with premium bars starting in London, but this is going to be one of those things where, you know, close the loop full circle back to the farm. And uh, if you are, have a wheat allergy or an allergy to grain or rye, Um, And that's the kind of vodka you stay away from. Maybe you want to gravitate towards a vodka made from milk whey. It's
4: interesting. I would like to try it and see if you can note any subtle differences in flavor as well.
3: Yes, uh, we should get a sample bottle and uh, we should Mm -hmm. test that for sure.
4: Sounds good to me. Up next on Cast Club
2: Radio, we are in the midst of World Cup right now, one of the biggest sporting events in the world. So you can bet that alcohol has some involvement in the celebrations that's for sure. While Russia the host country this year is trying to get ahead of some of the shenanigans involving alcohol. We'll explain next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today, June 23rd. We are in the midst of the World Cup right now, the biggest sporting event on the planet. Uh, do you guys have any rooting interest in the World Cup? Obviously, the United States not in it this year, but is there someone in country you're rooting for? Um, no, no, sorry. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lydia? out of it. Well, uh, I've got my heritage on both sides, Mexican and then German, and they faced off with each other on the very first day. Mexico upset Germany, which I'm totally fine with because I'll always root for the underdog a little bit. Germany are the defending champs, so Perfect. that's okay. But as you would probably guess, the World Cup... Anytime there's soccer or sporting events around, usually alcohol follows. Usually a little bit of shenanigans plus alcohol follows. And this year, it's kind of interesting, Russia being the host of this year's World Cup, trying to get a little bit ahead of some of these shenanigans by actually banning pubs and restaurants from selling alcohol on the day before and day of matches during the 2018 World Cup.
3: Insanity. (laughs) Ludicrous. Many months ago, this started where uh, the quote-unquote hooligans, these mobs of uh, folks, um, were taunting the fans in the U.K. specifically and were threatening them and saying, if you fans from the U.K. show up here in Russia for the games, we will beat you down and we will kill you, literally. Like that kind of threat. And they had a whole bunch of news about this. And now, the authorities to come in and say, you're not going to have alcohol allowed anywhere in these cities, in hotels and bars and restaurants, the day of matches uh, just shows you the level that they have to go through to maintain some sense of order in that environment. That is insanity.
2: Now, World Cup fans will still be able to buy alcohol inside stadiums and official FIFA fan zones, which is also pretty intriguing to me because that's more money in the pocket of. FIFA essentially and less in the pocket of local businesses. They've also shut down a lot of tourist things, which, again, takes away some of the argument of having this huge event in the local economy to sort of boost and bolster the local economy.
3: Yeah, I guess the argument could be made that having alcohol available in the stadiums during the games, at least you have that control in that environment. I think what they're trying to do is avoid the fights and gang attacks on the outside uh, before and after matches uh, based on, again, taunting and who won and who lost and so on. But Again, it does have a odor of uh, protectionism to it uh, to allow it in the official fan zones.
2: Absolutely. And really, the hooligan, hooligan soccer culture is nothing new. It exists pretty much everywhere. People are very diehard for their soccer team. So you'd think when the countries go to make these bids that providing adequate security and adequate, I don't know, facilities for all of this would be part of the bid in order to award that country. But... Yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch.
3: Yeah, well, let's kind of read through some of the specific things that visitors who are attending these games can look forward to if they choose to attend, and uh, what they got to jump through the hoops. So the first are the quote-unquote drunk tanks, where they anyone deemed too inebriated has their hands tied behind their backs and lashed to a bed, and you'll like this the most, they will be humiliated into wearing adult diapers to stop Mm. any unwanted accidents while they are chained to bed.
4: (laughs) I read that, and I thought I had to be reading it wrong. Like, come on, really?
3: (laughs) No. No, that's that's right. Second, this is fascinating, and we don't think about this in this day and age. If you are a foreigner, or you are a Russian traveling to a host city, you have to register with the police within three days of arrival. You have to provide proof of identity and the accommodation of where you're staying.
4: Wow. That's intense.
3: That's, that, you know, I haven't heard of that level of registration for decades. I mean, that brings back a whole different era of of history. And foreigners who travel to several of the 11 host cities and who stay in those cities for more than three days have to re-register multiple times.
2: This also just speaks to what a huge event and how meaningful this is for so many people in the in the world. Because if you took uh, all these stipulations out and applied them to another city that maybe you would go, were going to visit for tourist purposes, who would ever agree to go through all of these hoops just to visit that city? I mean, people love and are fanatical for the World Cup.
3: Well, let's just say you decided to go on family vacation to California to go to Disneyland and you're going to have a three- or four-day vacation, you'd have to go wait in line with the authorities' office to register to show proof of ID that you are in the state of California legally and you have a hotel to stay at.
4: Yeah. I and mean, you imagine
3: can... that in every city in the U.S.
2: And you can only drink in Disneyland. <laughs> Nowhere else. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> with the seven dwarfs. Yes. Um, next on the list, no sightseeing is allowed. So wow. while the prices for hotel rooms and flats have soared, the authorities have decided to restrict organized tours which I think is fascinating. Again, I think that is uh, them trying to protect the tourists from these organized bands of hooligans from attacking those tourists.
4: I just I just think buses. one of the perks of scheduling something like this in your city is the boost that of revenue that it brings to your city. So it's just kind of strange all the restrictions that are seemingly taking money away from local businesses.
3: It is, but I don't think they can afford to have... On the evening news and on social media, you know, a a group of tourists being attacked and bloodied by a bunch of hooligans. Yeah. So buses for sightseeing tours are banned. Uh, They're not allowed to enter host cities. Pleasure boats are not allowed to sail on the rivers that go into and out of host cities. And uh, authorities have identified 41 locations over which uh, all types of flights are banned during the World Cup. While use of drones is banned within a 100-kilometer radius... And uh, they have a special army squadron that will be deployed to set up electronic jamming around the stadium to ban people being able to use drones.
2: Wow. Oh, my gosh. I My boyfriend at the time went to the 2014 World Cup in Brazil, and there were some safety precautions and things like that. But I still don't remember it being this absolutely <laughs> madhouse of hoops that you had to jump through.
3: Yeah, I think, again, it's a completely different uh, safety environment. So... Speaking of that, in 2014 World Cup, 3.2 million people watched the 2014 World Cup. And I have not seen estimates of what they expect that to be this year. We will report back when the summer is done. But we did come across some fascinating drinking games that people (laughs) can try to enjoy while watching... The World Cup. So, you want to talk about those?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. So, don't make it, f- it better for people like you and I, Justin, who don't have a rooting interest.
3: That's right. That's <laughs> right. Now, the first is, of course, the standard "take a sip" game. Every time somebody says something or does something, take a sip. Uh, this is the one that kind of hits us at home the hardest. Take a sip every time an announcer mentions that the United States failed to qualify and oh. was not in the World Bad. Cup. <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh,
3: take a sip every time someone lays on the ground looking injured. We call that a flop and uh, it is one of the more ridiculous parts of soccer
2: i was going to say you might want to stop there because you might be you, know, <laughs> you might be fully done with your uh, with your limitations by the if you just do that
3: Well, and that follows on to the next one, which is take a sip every time a person gets up and seems totally fine. (laughs) So uh, that's the take a sip game. Then they've got the next, which is take the big gulp. Anytime somebody scores, of course, the scores are usually very low. So anytime somebody scores a goal, take a big gulp. Uh, Anytime there's a substitution, they have very few subs in the games. And uh, whenever a player pleads his case to the referee, take a gulp.
4: Okay, right. that one might be a little more off the- <laughs>
3: Uh Lastly, is the uh, final stage of the game: finish your drink. If there is an own goal, that means uh, finish your drink right now. If you don't know what an own goal is, uh, <laughs> if you score a goal on yourself, accidentally finish the drink. Uh, finish the drink if a red card is handed out. That's a fairly rare occurrence. And finally, if the game ends in a tie, finish your drink.
2: We've had a few draws already this year, but if the game's over, too, you might just be looking to finish your drink, so it's perfect.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. So that's a little bit about what we expect to see in the World Cup this year, and maybe next year the U.S. will be able to join since we are hosting.
2: Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we talk to our friend Pat Nagel of Harmon Brewing, hosting a great event coming up, Wings and Wheels, at the Tacoma Narrows Airport. He'll tell us all about it and why you should be there. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we're talking to Pat Nagel, the owner of Harmon Brewing Company and one of the sponsors of a pretty cool event coming up in Gig Harbor, Wings and Wheels. How are you, Pat?
1: Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on.
2: Thanks for joining us. This Wings and Wheels event has been going on for eight years. Can you tell us a little bit about it for those who have not gotten the chance to go?
1: Sure. I'd I'd be happy to. Uh, Wings and Wheels is uh, an event put on by Tacoma Events Commission at the Tacoma Narrows Airport, which happens to be located in Gig Harbor, Washington. And it's the eighth annual um, event, and it's an air show, car show, and this year we're adding motorcycles. Some of the highlights of the event is a smoke and thunder jet car racing down the runway at 300 miles per hour. Uh, there's going to also be a flyover by a World War II P-51 Mustang, um, a 1943 Boeing Sturman biplane flying acrobatics. Did I mention the, the Harman Brewery and Heritage <laughs> Show will have a beer garden and lounge? Uh, what else? definitely
4: a highlight. Uh, Kid
1: mm-hmm. Zone. Um, you can find, you can get tickets on uh, www.freedomfair.com backslash wings dash and dash wheels.
2: We talked a little bit about it off air, but... What makes this particular event so unique? What can people see here that they can't see anywhere else?
1: You're going to see a lot of vintage planes. You're going to be able to um, take helicopter rides. There's also going to be a seaplane out there that'll take you down to American Lake and land on the water and come back. There's going to be uh, the 1943 Boeing Stearman is is spectacular. And I, I don't think many people have seen a smoke and thunder jet car racing down the, the <laughs> no. runway, uh, racing a jet. Can't so say that's that I have. <laughs> yeah.
2: And on Saturday night, you've got this really cool thing going. It's a bike rally.
1: Yeah. So Saturday, we're calling out to all motorcycle riders to come and, and get a discount on your entry ticket. And you can ride your motorcycle right out of the tarmac and display it just like you would at a car show. So that's gonna be fantastic. And we're also uh, opening that offering discounted tickets to bicycle riders as well for both days.
0: We oh, really good. want to
1: get the, the bikes and the bicycles coming out for this great event.
2: Have you guys done the bike rally before? And and if so, have you seen some, some pretty wide array of, of motorcycles?
1: This is the first year we're doing uh, the bike rally, so we're super excited. We've tapped into a few of the vintage uh, motorcycle clubs in the area and just really want to get the word out. So... Yeah, and tickets this year are uh, twenty dollars at the door. Or you can get advanced tickets for fifteen dollars right now if you go online. And Did I mention that Les Schwab is also a sponsor? They're offering uh, free tickets to the first two hundred veterans and active duty military, and you can pick those tickets up at any Les Schwab location in the South Sound area.
4: Oh wow, that's, that's awesome! Really cool. I will say, yeah. growing up in an Air Force family, I went to a lot of Thunderbird shows when I was a kid and um, so cool. watching oh, the watching the planes. Are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Watching planes like that is really fun for kids. So this sounds like a great event. for. There's a lot for the adults, but also for a family to come as well.
1: Yeah, there'll also be live music on both days. And the, the local Army uh, rock band is going to be playing as well.
4: Oh, neat.
1: Yeah. Did they have so an, did they it's they really a... going to be a very patriotic uh, event. And you know, we just really encourage families to come on out. And it's a one-of-a-kind event. So really, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on today and, and helping me get the word out.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, we've talked to Justin in the past about the Gig Harbor community and heritage distilling being there. Obviously, what a great, unique community Gig Harbor is. And you, Harmon Brewing, being a part of that community, what's uh, that experience been like for you?
1: Well, Harmon Brewing Company started 20 years ago, actually, in downtown Tacoma. We're in the old Harmon Manufacturing Building, which was the largest Furniture manufacturer that was built in 1908, so ton of history here in Tacoma, and we've expanded with uh, a couple of our different tap rooms and hub restaurants, one of which is out in Gates Harbor, and we've aligned ourselves with uh, Heritage as they're you know local guys that uh, that really are are making a difference in the community, and Harmon Heritage brands are growing together. And we just really appreciate working with Justin and his family and, and his uh, his business team.
2: When you guys started Harmon Brewing back in 1997, what was your goal? What kind of business did you want to create?
1: Well, we were really the first uh, back then, you know, we were referred to as microbrewery restaurants. It's kind of the first phase of the craft beer industry. And, and uh, we were one, we were the first in Tacoma and, and just really wanted to be part of a, a downtown that was right in the middle of a, revitalization renaissance uh, with University of Washington Tacoma Branch campus being a big part of it. And we're right here on the UW campus in downtown. Uh, we're right across the street from the State History Museum and the Glass Museum. And we're just, you know, really the goal was to, to help uh, be part of a revitalized downtown. It's been 20 years of hard work to, <laughs> you know, get Tacoma to be recognized as a, not only as a great vibrant city but also a destination.
2: Yeah, there is a lot of rich history in Tacoma and a, and a lot of beauty. I think sometimes it gets overlooked because a lot of people talk about Seattle, but they forget that Tacoma has a lot of rich art and culture.
1: Oh, absolutely, I'm third generation uh, Tacoma, and, <laughs> and uh, that was a big part of me, you know, wanting to stay to stay in town and, and be part of. of what was going on. Of course, you know, I was in high school in the 80s. It wasn't, uh, Soma wasn't looked upon as uh, a place you wanted to do business so much, especially in the downtown. So we, we've we made great strides here in Soma, and we're looking for, for more businesses to come to town and, and bring some more jobs and folks that want to go out and try great craft beer and, and the great scene down here.
4: Pat, what kind of craft beer can people try at Harmon Brewing?
1: Um, we, you know, we're like typical craft brewery that has uh, most of the flagship type beers like IPAs and our porter, uh, is really well known. It's the Puget Sound Porter. Won a couple medals in the Washington Beer Festival. We, uh, we make a nice pale ale, a uh, blonde, and a number of seasonals on, on tap at all times. We just won the silver medal at the uh, Washington Beer Fest over the weekend for one of our uh, beers called Flanders Grad. It's an O.K.H. beer, a sour beer, and I'm pretty excited about that award. Congratulations. So, yeah,
4: congrats. Yeah.
1: So we've been, uh, we've been crafting beers for 20 years and we're looking to expand and, and grow and get our brand out there, and so, you know, working with Heritage, we, we work with Heritage in our restaurants, we have four locations, so we've been really fortunate and, and uh, appreciative of being able to work with Heritage Distilling, and we carry all of their products in our well, And uh, we also feature the BSB at all of our locations, too. We have four locations down here in the South Sound.
2: Well, Pat, we usually ask everybody before we wrap up, uh, if you were throwing a cocktail party or just any kind of party, summer party, uh, we usually ask people, what would you be drinking? What would you want to serve at this party?
1: Well, I'd have to say that we would craft some sort of beer cocktail that included some flavored bottles from Heritage Distilling. Of course, I'd want to get Justin's input on that. But that's one of the... (laughs) One of the things that we've been doing a lot lately is these beer cocktails, and it's been really fun to work with their staff. Uh, they've invited uh, most of our team over to their distillery to work on some of our specialty uh, cocktails. So it would definitely be a, a Harmon Heritage beer cocktail.
2: I like it. It's a good harmony of two uh, of two great companies. Right? <laughs> Perfect. Well, so people who want to check out Wings and Wheels, one more time, what is the website so they can go and get those advance
1: tickets? Okay, you want to go to www.freedomfair backslash Wings and Wheels. Perfect. Um, you can also check out our Facebook page, Gig Harbor Wings and Wheels, and uh, you can uh, get discounted tickets for $15 per person uh, prior to it, or we'll have tickets for, for sale at the gate.
4: And, Pat, where can people find more on Harmon Brewing and the different locations you have for that?
1: Uh, yep, yeah, that'll be at harmonbrewingco.com, harmonbrewingco.com. We've got uh, three hub locations with are kind of our – room restaurants that uh, can pizza and beer, craft beer. Got one in Gate Harbor, one in Puyallup, and one in Tacoma.
2: Excellent. Well, well, we will be looking forward to uh, hearing a recap of this. Maybe we'll talk to you in the future and especially interested in this bike rally and uh, hopefully some good pictures from that.
1: Okay. We'll definitely be taking some photos.
2: (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, Pat.
1: Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you so much to Pat Nagel of Harman Brewing Company for taking time to chat with us about wings and wheels coming up here in the Gig Harbor area. Make sure you check it out. In the meantime, up next on Cast Club Radio, what does your drink order say about you? Or at least what's your bartender thinking about you when you order that drink that you love? It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much again for joining us today, and we've got a great recipe for you to try here in a minute—a great recipe that involves BSB. Uh, But first, this is something we've discussed in the past, uh, as we have a former bartender on the show, a former barista on the show, so. When you make people's drinks, sometimes you're judging the person who orders said drinks. Sometimes there's some judgments that get made about the person. But we found this great article from the Matador Network about what your bartender really thinks of your cocktail order, which I found to be a uh, pretty revealing
3: yeah the first one is the long island iced tea and they sum it up with two words amateur hour if you order a long island iced tea it's typically for one of two reasons you don't know what else to order or you want to get drunk as fast as possible there is no legitimate reason why a person would order a long island iced tea
2: that seems pretty fair have you guys ever been guilty of that
3: uh in my college years i ordered it once or twice and then i saw all the sorority girls at the bars were ordering it in rapid succession so i stopped ordering it
4: (laughs) there are better drinks if you're just trying to get a strong drink there are definitely better choices out there that aren't going to have that syrupy sweetness and leave you feeling badly afterwards
2: (laughs) not great the next day that's true
4: next on this list is the mojito which uh, i love how this starts off it's perfect it says damn you that is exactly what your bartender is thinking when you order that especially if it's busy (laughs)
3: Right. There's there's something uh, that makes them angry about it, and uh, it's time-consuming. And then, of course, when everybody else sees it, they all start to order one as well. So it makes the bartenders even angrier. Now, what makes the bartenders the most angry about mojitos is when your kids are on a cruise, like with me, and they have the unlimited drink card, and they go to the bar and they order virgin mojitos (laughs) all day long. The bartenders do not appreciate that, but they make them anyway. That's funny. <laughs> Next on the list is the dry martini. What do they have to say about the dry martini drinker?
4: It says you are a sophisticated alcoholic.
3: <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But the dry martini is essentially three shots of chilled vodka or gin served in a fancy glass. And now the good news is is martini drinkers can hold their booze with flair.
4: I have actually had the opposite, kind of like we referenced with the Long Island iced tea, where some people just don't know. I have have had pe- people order martinis and they've just heard it and they think it sounds cool because they've seen it in a movie or something, and they don't realize that it's straight booze. And then you give it to them and they're like, "Oh my gosh,
3: <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, is strong!" It's and yeah. it's like, "Well,
4: it's strong because there's really nothing else in it. Maybe a splash of vermouth, but it's just <laughs> so." Some people
3: Whatever amount of ice was able to melt into the water while you were shaking it. <laughs> yep. You know. <laughs> Next on the list is the old fashioned, and they say this uh, cocktail—it's classic but boring. Over the last decade, the old-fashioned has become ubiquitous and the default drink to order for certain types of urban-dwelling, typical male, young professionals. Nothing wrong with an old-fashioned, but it's just, as the name suggests, unoriginal.
4: I
2: like old-fashioned. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. But maybe I am boring, Maura. I don't know.
3: (laughs) Well, I think we're all kind of circling back around to... uh, longing for the days when things were easier and old-fashioned, so yeah. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Next on the list is uh, a Negroni. We just celebrated Negroni Week last week across the country, and uh, what do they have to say about our friend the classic cocktail, the Negroni?
2: say, classic but cool. Bracing gin makes up the base. Campari adds both bitterness and a touch of Italian flair to this classic cocktail. It's becoming more of a common drink order nowadays, but still not so common that half the bar is drinking one. So you can still be you know a little bit hipster about it you can be the cool kid at the bar
3: that's right well next on the list uh, after the negroni is the boulevardier which is a twist on the negroni except it is much cooler because instead of gin it uses whiskey
4: <laughs> i have actually not tried that yeah i've never that had that.
3: oh it's quite good it's a favorite among bartenders the whiskey gives the cocktail a more rounded taste It mellows out the bitterness of the Campari more than the gin. For those people who don't like gin and they want to try the Negroni cocktail, the Bavardier is the way to do it. Last on the list of what the bartenders think about you based on the cocktails you order is the Bloody Mary outside of brunch hours.
4: (laughs) I've actually been guilty of that myself. Really? I like Bloody Marys a lot.
2: Anytime, anytime that it sounds good.
3: Yeah, so according to the article, it says the, the bartender's thinking, I'll make you one, but you know you're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> the Bloody Mary is not an anytime drink. It serves a purpose. The blend of sodium and vodka eases your weekend hangover, and it's best paired with eggs, toast, and sunshine. Something about ordering a Bloody Mary at 10 p.m. to accompany your pasta dinner is not right. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, I now, get that.
4: The worst I saw is I waited on a, a guy that was his 21st birthday at one point. And he was trying everything. So he went from like a Bloody Mary to a pina colada to, oh. you know, something with melon liqueur in it. And I was like, this is not a good... I tried to tell him a white Russian, I think. He he was just... I tried to tell him it was a horrible decision, but he was yeah. doing a drink tour.
2: The next day, you would have been like, oh, Maura was right. Yeah.
3: More Bloody Marys. <laughs> <laughs> well... The one variation of the Bloody Mary that I think is appropriate in the evening hours, uh, especially here in the Northwest, is the seafood cocktail prepared as a Bloody Mary. Yes. Uh, and so the seafood cocktail comes in a Bloody Mary-type pint glass, but it's filled with uh, clams, oysters, uh, prawns, and shrimp, and then other accoutrements, you know, lemon and celery and Tabasco sauce. And instead of um, um, the bloody mary mix it's served on the side with really spicy um, cocktail sauce so it's like an evening bloody mary without the tomato sauce
4: that sounds delicious i'm definitely all aboard for that
2: speaking of delicious we've got a cocktail recipe for you this week that we talked a little bit earlier in the show about bsb winning the double gold at the 2018 sip awards another award to add to the many accolades Uh, for heritage distilling. But what's this week's cocktail recipe, Justin?
3: This week we are making our BSB Peach Cobbler Cocktail. Uh, There's a couple different variations you can do on it. So we'll start with the base cocktail. Two ounces of our BSB brown sugar bourbon, four ounces of peach nectar. You can find this in the grocery store. Uh, It's a juice, kind of a uh, highly sweetened uh, concentrate of the the best part of the peach juice. Uh, Put that in a glass with ice top it with club soda, and then garnish it with a a thin slice of peach. Now, here's how to make some of the variations. Take the peach, and while it's a little wet, dip it in a mix of cinnamon and sugar, and then garnish your cocktail with it. You can also take your peaches and put them, the slices, put them on the grill, and char them, barbecue them a little bit on the grill before putting them into the drink, and... Uh, You can also try that with a little bit of the cinnamon and sugar powder on the peach on the grill, just to get it to caramelize a little bit before you put it into the drink. Either way, you end up with a nice peach cobbler. You probably want to serve this in a martini-style glass.
2: Love that. Yeah, it sounds just uh, aesthetically pleasing as well.
3: Yeah, well, this is the time of year. We are gathering fresh fruit from all around us and making all all sorts of cobblers. Our friends at Anthony's restaurants have uh, a variation of the cobbler. They call it the slump, which is the same thing as a cobbler, but in a small uh, individual serving size ramekin. And this is how we celebrate summer in the Pacific Northwest.
2: Love it. Great new recipe for you to try out there this weekend in the Good weather and the sunshine, and that is as always available at heritagedistilling.com. If you've missed any past recipes, you can check them out there, as well as the podcast itself. Download episodes at heritagedistilling.com or at Cairo Radio.com. Just click on the podcast tab, scroll down to Cast Club Radio.
3: And as always, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cast Club Radio, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes.
2: Plus Pinterest, right? That's that's taken Pinterest off. Pinterest
3: now too. Yeah, for Pinterest, for our, our Heritage Distilling page on Pinterest, again, we've got 48,000 followers and they are sharing pictures uh, like crazy. If you've got great pictures of cocktails, ideas for cocktails, ideas for party planning, post them on Pinterest and we will spread the
0: word for you.
2: Perfect. Well, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you all. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us
2: out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask
0: Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.